Hello, welcome to The BIM Student. I'm your host, Chetna Chauhan. Our guest today has a career that is perfect combination of academic awareness and industry exposure. He holds a PhD in Construction Engineering and Management Technologies and co-founded Building Innovation Research Centre at University of Toronto. As an Associate Director of the Centre for six years, he led innovation research, partnership development and transformation change amongst key stakeholders in Canadian construction, government and education sectors. He is an entrepreneur and innovator who co-founded Eco Innovation Lab in pursuit of engaging the immense talent in our academia to solve the problems of AEC industry. Through various initiatives like One Ontario, he is to lead the digital transformation of AEC industries and government through collaborative R&D projects, innovative products and expert consulting. Recently, he was named as top 40 under 40 in Canadian construction for his innovative work. Wait, that's not all. He continuously is contributing to the industry by serving as a research chair for Toronto BIM community and is on the board of directors for Building Smart Canada. Please welcome Arash Shahi. Uh, hi Arash, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here to share your expertise, to share your knowledge with us. And I'm looking forward to learning something really new today from you. Hi Chetna, glad to be here today. I'm not sure if you're going to learn anything new from me, but happy to be here and have a conversation about this. So uh, thanks for having me. Yes, uh, Arash, I've seen your LinkedIn profile. I've stalked you online on LinkedIn, but uh, let's, for our audience, uh, do you want to quickly give a quick background of where you come from? What have you been doing? How, if at all, have you used BIM and how have you come across BIM in your uh, professional career? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll make it very brief. My, my background is civil engineering. So I, mm -hmm. I got my, uh, degree I was interested in structures and uh, I studied at Waterloo um, but then after my master's I got interested in more construction management applications automated systems for construction management so um, we I started doing my PhD with Kohas at Waterloo on automated systems uh, for just that for um, construction project management I joined the software company after that and then uh, worked in the private sector for a while and then joined the University of Toronto and for six years, I was running a research manager, uh, was managing a research center at UFT. And uh, was where I was mostly working with the industry partners and um, identifying gaps from an R&D perspective and then addressing those gaps to research projects. Um, the challenge that we had at UFT was because was we were a research intensive university. Uh, a lot of funds would come in through R&D, uh, but we would spend most of that on research. And there was very limited development capacity. Uh, from an academic perspective. So uh, a whole bunch of our industry partners and myself decided that uh, we want to have a different uh, platform for R&D. And that's why we established Eco Innovation Lab. So we are a solution-driven uh, and industry-backed R&D platform that's going to be helping the AEC industry in its digitization journey uh, over the next several years. So that's what we do and that's why we're here. Okay. Okay, that's great to know. And um, by the way, growing up, when I knew about uh, getting into like world-class university, U of T was at top of my list. Like I wanted to go to U of T, which never happened, by the way. 
but uh, I'm happy to be uh, interviewing uh, people from UST now. Uh, okay, so we want to talk more about, um, because you, I know you're involved a lot in creating standards for information exchange, information management. Your company, uh, Eco Innovation Labs, is heavily invested into that. Uh, but let's first of all say, why are these standards, why is information exchange standard even important to start with? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So one of our R&D initiatives is called One Ontario, and, and it's focused on just that, on development of data exchange standards uh, for the development approval process in Ontario. And the reason that's important is because when you submit an application for a development approval, it goes, to, it has to go to the municipality, but it also has to leave the municipality and go to a number of applicable law agencies that need to comment on that application. Now, the, the problem is uh, our municipalities are picking up e-permitting solutions. What that means is they're digitizing their permitting process at the municipal level. Um, but when they want to communicate to outside entities outside of the municipality, uh, they're still relying on um, the one standard we have in this industry, and that's paper. So a lot of information is being faxed back and forth. Uh, a lot of information is being emailed back and forth. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of the information is being done by curbside pickup uh, during COVID, where, uh, where entities are actually picking up drawings from one entity and taking it to that another. Uh, those drawings that are being transported by paper uh, are actually generated digitally. So nobody's actually doing drawings by hand anymore. Every, every drawing has been has a digital presence somewhere. But the reality is because our infrastructure doesn't allow us to use that digital uh, information, we have to print it on paper and then have to transport paper from one entity to another, which is um, just, just very uh, counterproductive. So that's why we need information exchange. We need a better way of talking to each other and then paper and email because uh, those platforms really limit uh, what we can do uh, in terms of gaining uh, efficiencies and increasing productivity. That, that's why we, we think that a data exchange standard is a way to go. Another reason for that is um, for right now, for the private sector to be able to sell any solution to the municipal sector, it's a very difficult undertaking. We have 444 municipalities in Ontario alone, and every municipality has their own IT department and they have their own backend systems. So if you have a solution that can help building officials do their job better today, and if you have to connect to the infrastructure, digital infrastructure of municipalities, that's going to be a very difficult sales cycle. And uh, what these data exchange standards would do is that for all the municipalities who comply or adopt these standards, if you're a public sector, if you're a private sector player and you have a solution that you want to sell to this industry and they do their job better, as long as your solution complies with the same standards, well, you can connect now to all the municipalities who have adopted that standard. So it's basically a translation, a language translation that connects the private sector and, and the public sector together and also connects all the public sector players together. So that's why we think this is a, it's an investment in the digital infrastructure of this country. Okay, yeah, that, that is a very, very uh, important um, point that we, we really don't have one thread that can connect information exchange or even what information to put in first place. And when we are saying inputting of information, 
how do you think uh, adopting bim is becoming more and more important now uh, within within municipalities within uh, private sector that's a great question that's a fantastic question we've done three national bim surveys uh, in canada over the last five years so uh, we think we have a pretty good idea of where the industry is uh, and where the where the industry is ahead of the government that's where the that's where the industry is um so uh, we, we do want the government to catch up to our private sector um, in all other jurisdictions internationally. Um, BIM mandates are, are coming from the top. Um, Canada right now is the only G7 country without a national BIM mandate. So it's a question of when, not if, that we're going to have um, some sort of a BIM mandate here in Canada. And when that happens, our municipal sector needs to be ready um, to, to, to adopt it. So what we've been asking uh, our municipal partners is that now that you're going digital, now that you're letting go of paper and, and adopting digital tools, let's think five years ahead so that in five years, your systems won't be obsolete and out of date. Uh, and the way you can protect that is by adopting BIM, being able to um, uh, accept BIM into the municipal space. The challenge is that for all these 444 municipalities in Ontario alone, it would be a very difficult undertaking to uh, to build up beam capabilities at the municipal space. So what we're proposing, we're working with Building Smart Canada, and we're inviting some other national players to basically develop a beam standard for beam submission to municipalities. And what that would mean is that everybody would be on the same standard, uh, and you would submit your beam model to this um, central portal, if you will. Uh, BIM portal for Canada, and then that would translate that information that's in BIM to whatever the municipalities can absorb. So, uh, if a particular municipality can take on the entire model, then fine. Uh, if a municipality is still on paper and needs drawings, we can we can generate drawings from the BIM model. Um, so, and we we'll slowly work with the municipalities and give them the results instead of them actually working on the BIM file. So, we're looking for automated code compliance checking. We're looking for uh, some automated inspection capabilities and that could all be offered centrally through this platform and the results of which could then go to municipalities and why that's important is because from a residential space for example there's been a lot of resistance as to you know what do we really need to go to BIM and we've been doing what we're doing for many decades it's working and like I don't want to change why do I need to go to BIM and it's a valid concern uh, but once you can show that Okay, if you go on BIM, you can now get your permit faster, then the conversation changes because that, that's, a, that's a pain point that the industry has been dealing with for years. They've been telling us for years that, you know what, we got to do something about this. And what we can do about this is that if we start accepting BIM models uh, into municipalities, then we can add automation on top of it, then we can get the permitting process to go on faster. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, the users will benefit. So. We believe that pushing BIM upstream to the government uh, might be a really good way for us to promote the adoption of BIM uh, in this sector. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's also not just the municipalities, but also some smaller companies that don't have right now capabilities to actually deliver BIM models for, for submissions. So I think also as an industry, uh, we need to support, like, I know there are bigger companies who are way ahead of curve and they have their, like, company-wide standards and 
they're already in you know in compliance with a lot of bim standards by iso or by uh, by uh, building smart canada but i think we do really need to support the smaller players because that's where a lot of uh, uh, resistance also comes from so uh do you think that uh, moving forward uh, once we have an information exchange protocol a bim standard protocol these protocols in place uh, do you think these smaller players will be forced to get into bim or we will they still can start now and by the time it's there they can they can uh, they can catch up uh- in most other countries that have adopted bim um it's always been started from the big projects and over the years going to the smaller projects so that's going to be a phased approach regardless um our position is that our municipalities need to be bim capable uh we're not really pushing for bim mandated at the municipal space at the municipal level we just want the municipalities to be bim capable and to be able to take advantage of the investments that some other players in the industry have already been making in bim right so if if you've invested in bim and you're willing to comply with these data standards that we're going to put forward uh well you should be able to leverage that investment and right. um, right? so uh we look at it more as an optional uh capacity as opposed to a mandate that's really not our position but uh, i do see our bim community and bim consultants playing a big role here because to your point uh while the industry in many cases is already adopting bim in some other cases they're not so they they will need support from uh independent bim consultants from in-house bim consultants and and the entire bim community to basically right. ramp and right. maybe we got to stop calling it bim maybe we can talk about digital construction maybe we can talk about a different term right to be more inclusive because because bim seems to alienate some audience in my perspective um but digital construction oh. is something that people can connect to right so um i that that's a philosophical discussion uh maybe for later but uh yeah oh oh i have bim in my company name i would really root for bim but anyways uh, uh and that's that's a personal uh, that's a personal uh, bias uh, I, but yeah there are, there are there are other terms in in like whatever you want to call it but what i call um like people say digital project delivery they say digital construction they say um digital innovation uh i i mean when i talk about bim i say it's not take building as not a noun but as a verb the use building as noun and not as a verb uh and then it becomes really simple that you are building information into your model the model can be linear infrastructure it can be building like a physical building and it can be a process right we i think in construction industry are really behind of other industries as far as digital innovation is concerned no absolutely absolutely and and i have nothing against bim i uh, i'm one of the board members on Toronto bim community we've been promoting bim surveys Uh, but even with our bim surveys um when we send the bim surveys out because it's called a bim survey um it, it it kind of again alienates a whole bunch of our audience from this industry once you talk about digital construction or digital delivery then people are more willing to open up the survey and even take a look at it and see okay where they fit right, right. um right. So that that that's the angle that we're kind of uh 
No, I, I, I support you that. Um, I am really, um, really interested to know more about uh, what exactly are we doing at One Ontario. Uh, and I'm pretty sure all the audience, they are, because what all the information that I have is coming from social media. But I want to know it from you that what exactly is One Ontario and what are we what exactly is uh, the, is going to be the result of this project? Yeah, One Ontario is a coalition. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, there's a coalition of uh, different stakeholders. So from the residential construction side, we have RESCON, that's the Residential Construction Council of Ontario, uh, who came on first, a visionary in this space, has been supporting research in this area for a while, for a long time. And uh, Richard Lyle, um, president of RESCON, has been very supportive uh, of our program. So RESCON came on first, and then we had BUILD and OHPA that came in uh, next. So from a residential perspective, we are very well represented uh, across the province. And we have OGCA, that's the General Contract Association. So we have the ICI sector also represented. Uh, on the municipal space, we have OBOA, the building officials. We have OPPI, the planners. We have AMO, the administrators and the mayors. And we have LMCBO, that's the large municipalities, chief building officials. And we have individual municipalities like City of Toronto and Windsor and others who have joined. So from a municipal space, there's a lot of buying. Uh, from a technology space, we have Building Smart Canada and then the Toronto and the Ottawa chapters uh, that have come in to support the BIM implementation uh, part of this project. Uh, we have Terion, MPAC, uh, HICRA, uh, all the different stakeholders that need access to development approval data uh, who come on, come forward and say, you know what, we are willing to help this, we're going to make this a reality. Um, and then we have the e-permitting solution providers who came in and, and they're always seen as part of the problem, but they've said that we don't want to be the problem, we want to be part of the solution. So a number of them like Calatera and uh, Alphanet and Unisys have come in and said, you know what, we're willing to support this. Um, it's it's very forward thinking from their perspective to be able to contribute to, to a project like this. Uh, and then we have Conservation Ontario that basically represents all the conservation authorities uh, in this space who've come in and we are reaching out to MTO and others to come on board. So um, what what is One Ontario? One Ontario is a coalition of a lot of stakeholders who've said enough is enough and that we are willing to support an information exchange between our entities um, so that we can be more productive as an industry. Um, so to me, that's the most impressive part of Mon Ontario, the fact that all these organizations are willing to agree uh, on one thing. So mm -hmm. I'll take that as a win. Um, and then our job at ACO is to work with this coalition and be their R&D arm, basically. And that could develop these standards and, and, and put those uh, out there in the market. Uh, we have reached out to the government, so uh, MMAH and Treasury Board are involved now uh, in this uh, in this discussion, and we hope that they come to the table very soon as well. Oh, awesome! So, uh, are you guys referring to already uh, established standards um, in in other parts of the world? Are you taking uh, those standards in consideration? Absolutely. So, on the BIM side. Uh, the, the benefit of working with Building Smart Canada is that they're obviously connected to Building Smart International. So uh, they can bring in all the lessons learned from Europe, from elsewhere uh, into Canada, and that's what we're going to be doing with them. 
Um, on the municipal space, also there's been a lot of work that done that's been done in the in UK and also in uh, Singapore and other jurisdictions who've done this before. Um, we've done international scans in the past. We've, we've kind of looked at what everybody else has done. Um, the good news uh, about going last is that um, there's a lot of examples ahead of us, right? So um, yes, we are falling behind everybody else. But the good news is that we can look at what everybody else has done, learn from the lessons, and then uh, hopefully leapfrog forward. Okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I have like 10 million questions in my mind going around, but I don't want this to be just a boring techno babble. So I'm going to move to the last uh, uh, section of our podcast, which is the impossible questionnaire. And like I said, this. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, like, as the name says, this questionnaire has been these are five questions I asked to all my guests. And the sole intention behind this is to, uh, uh, to, to make guests feel that they don't know enough. Okay. I can already. I'm <laughs> I'm just joking about that. But yes, it's, it's with an intention that uh, regularly with everything that we keep on doing in our daily silos, we really miss out on information that's going outside, which is related to our industry. So it's just a wake up call. It's it's a fun questionnaire and, and I hope you you enjoy it. And But I like I said, because you come from academia, I'm a little intimidated right now. So oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I'm going to be embarrassing myself. I, I feel like it's an embarrassment is coming up. Let's see. Let's see what you got. Uh, so, um, mostly these questions are either from OBC or they are from uh, ISO standards. So, brace for it. Uh, so, my first... I'm going to pass on all of those questions. <laughs> I, I myself an excellent either one. Having said that, having said that, I do want to take this opportunity and, and kind of talk about OBC because uh, we developed uh, an app for OBC. Uh, as part of I ICO. know that. I have it phone i have it on my phone i look at it all the time so i can i can uh, i can bring in our obc experts to answer your questions but um yes, you go. okay you tell me you're not gonna be looking into your phone for this i'm <laughs> just gonna bring up we also have a web application so that's what i'm gonna bring up right now to see if i can my goodness yeah so, so i don't know i mean i could i mean i could promote this this is this is a beautiful app i don't know if i can so it's, it's a beautiful app. I have it on my phone. I look it up all the time. So I'm I'm so happy somebody did this, man. This Excellent. So download my building code. Uh, let's start digitizing this industry. Let's let's start with the building code. So. Yes, but you're not allowed to open the app on your phone or on your system. Uh, it's gonna be a big embarrassment, but let's do it. Let's do it. Let's okay. see what Okay. Okay. Let's start with it. So first question is from. And it's, it's very basic from ISO standards. Uh, so ISO standards has five parts. So you know an ISO 19650, the ISO BIM standards, right? Uh, it has five parts and then it has a transition guide because it moved from BS 1192 to ISO. Uh, do you know which part refers to information management requirements in the, in the delivery phase of uh, assets? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I've been uh, I've been involved in some of those conversations early on uh, because uh, with the whole IFC uh, boards I was having it was my early days in my academia 
So I've been in some of those conversations before, but no. References to the specific sections, I don't use neither the ISO nor the OBC on a daily basis or on a regular basis. So I'm going to have to pass on a lot of this question. But so, let's see. Okay, for your information, it has five parts. Uh, the first one is basic principles and definitions. The second part is um, uh, the information management during the course. Then third part is delivery. Uh, fourth is still under um, publication. And then there's a fifth part that talks about the security minded approach towards information management. So, okay. Uh, okay, next question. So according to Ontario Building Code, under oh. under what condition in a building, a pitched roof can be considered as an exterior wall? A pitched roof can be considered as an exterior wall. I got no clue. Like I'm not even gonna attempt these questions. Okay, so if the uh, if a roof is pitched at an angle of sixty degrees or more, then it's it's considered a part of an exterior wall and not roof. Uh, we should have our product manager do this interview. It would be a lot less embarrassing. <laughs> uh, oh, if if they come over, I'm going to switch to another section. I'm not even going to Ontario Building Code then. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the whole beauty of impossible questionnaire. Okay, so next question: Do you know? I at least call them impossible questions, so right? Doesn't I don't feel as bad. Yes. Thanks for that. Okay. Again, this is again an Ontario Building Code question. So, uh, if if we have to design um, a chemistry lab in a secondary school, uh, what do we need um, per person square feet? square meter area for to calculate the occupant load that's an interesting question that i don't know the answer to but uh <laughs> but what we're working on is occupant load calculators for building code so uh we're going to be working on this uh, a set of smart calculators uh, in the building code and based on and the use and the size and all that we can we can automatically generate the, the occupant load so it's going to be there soon i'm going to see if i can look something up for you but uh well i have the answer i've done my research already i know you do i know you do i want to see if i can find mine that's gonna take a while let's let's go with but your it's, answer it's, uh, yeah it's it's 4.6 meters square per person is the occupant load calculation criteria okay 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 Excellent. uh the the next question is this is obc and accessible design so if we need to design a ramp that fulfills the criteria for accessible design in the province of Ontario, uh, what is the width of the ramp excluding the handrails that we need to give it to give? So as, as you can imagine, I don't do building code on a <laughs> regular basis. We just developed the digital tools for it so other people can use it, but I have a uh, I just searched the width of the ramp um, and I have 900 millimeters coming up. I got different numbers coming up. So, uh, dagger free design. I think I'm in the right section. I've got the slope. Hold on. Hold on. I can get this done. 
Oh, this is full on cheating that's going on in the exam. It's called digitization. There, so it's like you don't have to memorize stuff; you can actually look it up. Right. Uh, good news is that uh, my building code is going through a redesign now. So we're gonna have an, an AI search element. So right now the search is very basic, um, mm -hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna have a smart search capabilities being added, uh, where you can actually type up the full questions and then we can uh we can get the answers for you so this interview okay. has been a lot easier uh in a few months once i build all that ai into you but so, for now so in I'm, a few months i will um, not even ask you a question from obc well that's not fair <laughs> okay so this is 900 millimeters that's the minimum which we require between the handrails i had that i had that okay uh so the last question and this is from, and you won't have it. Uh, so this is uh, from our um, CCDC documents. So if a project is delayed due to labor strikes, adverse weather, fire, etc., is the contractor entitled to payment to cover the costs of delay? I would really hope that's going to be added in the contract. So uh, always default to the contract. Um, but, but according to standard CCDC, I have no idea. They probably will, but I don't know. Uh, no, the only reason uh, a contractor gets uh, paid for a delay is if if the reasons are due to um, an owner or a consultant issue, oh, you're right. yeah. not because of a natural calamity or or you know like a pandemic. Contractors did not get paid because of. The delay. Have, there's a lot of claims going around these days uh, in that space. And I think our contract language needs to be a lot clearer going forward because right. what the pandemic showed us was that there's a lot of gaps in our contract language out there. So uh, I think that's an area that needs to be improved. Okay. Yeah, we are done with five questions. Oh, You're God. the only yeah. guest who did, who did use internet to try to find the answers. Uh, got, but it was fun. I got one. It was fun. It was fun, and it got me a chance to kind of test our own product. And glad that it worked. So, <laughs> thank you. No worries. It was it was really amazing to have you. Um, I hope, just like me, rest of the people who are listening to the podcast, the listeners, the audience, they uh, understand the value that One Ontario and Aqua's building to our uh, permitting system to our build environment in general and uh, all the best for every every other initiative that you guys take on at eco thanks very much Edna. good luck with what you're doing i think this is great um i think beam is the future so uh i'm glad to have people like yourself kind of leading the way on that front so best of luck to you and i'm sure we'll talk more soon <laughs>